0: If you are able to remain standing and can join me for the reading of Revelation chapter 5, verses 6 through 14. Revelation 5, verses 6 through 14. You have condemned, you have murdered the just, he does not resist you. Not the right verse. <laughs> That was James 5, anybody curious? (laughs) And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and a golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us by to God by your blood. Out of every t- tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of voices saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and riches and wisdom, and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and such are in the sea, and all that are in them. I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: I'll be referencing that Revelation chapter 5 passage toward the end of the message, but to begin with, I'd like to have us turn to John chapter 1, where the Lamb is introduced by his herald. John the Baptist introduces Jesus in John 1 as the Lamb of God. John the Baptist had his own disciples, and he says in John 1, verse 29, He's got some disciples there, but down in the Jordan Valley. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him. And this is after the baptism of Jesus already. And John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him. But that he should be revealed to Israel, therefore I came baptizing with water. So John says his whole mission was about the Messiah who was coming. Otherwise John wouldn't have have come. 32, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on Him, this is He who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. And the the next verse 29 says the same thing. A couple days later, John says, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And so the passage opens with the Lamb and all everybody who's Jewish knew about sacrifices in the temple and how we bring a gift to God we bring a, a lamb to confess that um, we're debtors to God for our lives and we take something innocent and undefiled and we bring that as the gift and we, they would lay their hands upon the lamb and say take away my sins I recognize that I'm a sinner I'm in debt to God for the life that he gives to me but then this passage we read closes with I did behold him, and he is the very Son of God. He's God's Lamb, but he's also God's Son. And uh, a lot of uh, theology of identity going on with uh, just who is this Jesus of Nazareth. There was a recent TV show, I think it's called The Masked Singer, and it got on the news because one of their singers that was masked uh, sang, and they said well it 's not too bad he 's in the trial round, but when they they took the mask off, it was of all people rudy giuliani and i didn 't know rudy Giuliani could could sing at all, and uh, it was controversial because uh, two of the judges didn 't like rudy 's politics, and so they stormed off the stage. but uh, they were okay with it as long as as long as he was masked. they were okay with this. Mass celebrity singer contestant. And, you know, that's the way Israel took this Jesus of Nazareth. It's okay as long as we don't call him the Lamb of God. It's okay as long as we don't call him the eternal Son of God. And we get that picture in verse 14 of, not verse 14, but verse 11 of John 1. It says, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. And as the identity of Jesus more and more is proclaimed that uh, he is the promised one, then uh, the, more and more he's going to be rejected in his ministry. Jesus is not introduced by John as the expected one. And um, today there's another um, TV series that talks about the child. And the, this child is he's, he's going to have power. And I won't tell you who that child is. But uh, his his picture is is around on um, on uh, social media, and he's he's an, an animation as who he is, and Jesus is not introduced by John even as the King of Israel, but of all things, uh, John who says in Matthew three says, Jesus, you come to me, I should be baptized, I John should be baptized by you, and Jesus says, suffer it now to fulfill all righteousness. And so John recognizes that from the very beginning, that this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And here, this is John, the great and the final prophet of God, says, Here here who he is. And I'm the one pointing the, the spotlight. I'm the one with the megaphone saying, It's not me you're looking for. You're looking for God's Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. But just who is this Lamb? Who can take away sin, sin that brings death, ruin, destruction. Who, who can do that? It's the same one as in Mark chapter 2 when Jesus raises up the lame man. This lame man has walked in years. And raises him up, says, So that you may know that the Son of Man has power on the earth. I say to you, your sins are forgiven. Take up your bed. This is the Lamb of God, the same one who has power to forgive sins. And if He can forgive sins, then He can also deliver us from death, because death is the result in the wages of sin. That, that's who the Lamb is. He's the eternal Son of God, as John says in verse 34. He's the eternal Son of God in verse 18 of John 1, who's forever been, always and forever before time, in the bosom of the Father. And yet He comes born into our world, born into our human family so that He might be the Lamb to take away the sin of the world. He's the Lamb who has the ultimate power and is part of God's plan to not only take away sin, but in taking away sin to give us life. Verse 4 of John 1, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. Let's see if that's my verse. Is it? Okay, five. That's five. Verse four is what I want. In him was life and the life was the light of man. John writes again later in first John chapter one, God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Jesus is identified with as God. He was the Word. He was, the Word was with God. More than that, the Word was God because he had always been there uh, as God. And so it's this one who brings life because he is the light of men. And so that's where we find our, our life, and life comes only when sin is taken away by the Lamb of God. Think about the baptism here, and just when I was, I was growing up, uh, I went to a Lutheran camp and the question was asked, well, why do you think Jesus was baptized? Because uh, Lutherans, uh, uh, the big focus in baptism is on the washing away of sins and uh, we believe that too it does signify that that uh, gives a new beginning but jesus is baptized also to have at his baptism the holy spirit in the form of a dove comes and rests upon jesus and that's a picture of god himself god the spirit comes and rests upon him on his head on his shoulders to say that he is the anointed one there's jesus standing in the jordan river he's in the water and he's had water applied to him. And we believe that that's when he begins his public ministry. And his ministry is, is it for three offices, a prophet, and priest, and king. But John the Baptist is particularly focusing upon his office as the priest, because he's the one who's going to take away the sins of the world. And that's what the high priest would do. Every uh, Yom Kippur, every day of atonement in the fall, The high priest would, once a year, offer a special sacrifice to cover the sins of the people. And so Jesus is recognized in his anointing by God's Spirit, but also by his baptism by John publicly, that now he's beginning his his ministry. And Jesus takes upon himself the recognized Old Testament office of the prophet, As the great high priest, he came to take away the sin of the world. But when we look at the description of Jesus' priesthood in the book of Hebrews, I'll just read for you chapter 7 of Hebrews. uh, Part part of that. Chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. Therefore he, that's the incarnate christ he is also to save to the uttermost those who come to god through him since he always lives to make intercession for them and then hebrews 7:26 for such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy harmless undefiled separate from sinners and has become higher than the heavens who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered himself. There's the Lamb of God offering himself. There's the high priest who's been anointed to offer the sacrifice. And yet, why why did God even become the God-man? It's because he needed a body to uh, represent humanity, and he needed a body to offer up as a sacrifice pleasing to God. And that you'll find that in Hebrews 10, verse 4. That uh, a body God prepared for him. And it ties in with Hebrews chapter 7 here, that he offered himself. So Jesus' power is not so much in his office of, of the high priesthood, it's in the very sacrifice that he offered as high priest. And that body was, the sacrifice was His own body when He laid down His life for us. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And as God's Lamb, Jesus was without blemish. He was a man. He was a perfect man to save you and me, imperfect sinners. But more than a perfect man, He was God's Son, precious Lamb of, of divine worth because he was divine who had always been in, in the bosom of the father until he came to reveal him for us. So how did God how did John know that Jesus was this lamb that they should look for that he'd be the final knew that Jesus would be the final sacrifice and twice in this passage John 1 he says, I didn't know him you No, know, verse 31 I didn't, I didn't know him Verse 33, and yet John and Jesus are distant relatives. It seems like uh, G- Jesus' mother Mary was some kind of relation of Elizabeth, the mother of John. We remember that story from John 1 when uh, uh, Mary came to visit Elizabeth. and uh, But after that, it just seems like these two sons, these two um, uh, prophetic uh, God-sent people into the world, Uh, just never met until the public ministry of Jesus begins but here's how John knew it's in verse 33 right at the end of of, um, that where John is bearing witness right at the end of verse 33 I did not know him but he who sent me to baptize with water said upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit John was given a sign that uh, this will be the one. But who who told this to John? Who told John about the sign? And that is the same spirit that comes upon Jesus at Jesus' baptism. That same spirit spoke either, either in the mind or in the ear of John, this is be the one that you'll look for. And John, John had baptized a lot of people down at the Jordan River. But nothing like this had ever ever happened to have the spirit of God come down upon one of those was baptized and so he knew and John might have known about um, his mother undoubtedly told John as a lad about you know John before you were born you you are uh, just a special child we never expected to have children and yet God you're God's gift to us and uh, that's what the name John means it means uh, uh, the gift of God. And she may have told him about that, but why did, why did John, as a preborn baby, leap in his mother's womb? It's because uh, Mary came and brought uh, this incarnate Son of God in, into the very same presence. And there may have been other witnesses in young John's life. His, his father was a high priest. His father might have said, You know, and I heard stories after I finished. Serving in the temple, I heard stories that there were people, there was this Simeon, and there was this Anna, and they were saying that the promised one had come, and um, they actually beheld him. And so, John from a, a lad may have been anticipating this, but he never knew until the Spirit of God gave a direct revelation to John the Baptist that this is the one that you look for. You know, God can speak that way today we don't know that god speaks audibly to his people today like that it may happen on occasion but uh, we do know that the spirit of god still does lead and make impressions upon us we know that from bible teachings from like uh, first corinthians 2 verse verse 11 Uh, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Verse 12, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. The, and why? Uh, we have the Holy Spirit living in our hearts once we uh, are regenerated by the Spirit of God. He remains there he worked to uh, convict and to uh, lead and illuminate us. But the rest of verse 12 goes on to say, Why does the Spirit reveal these things to us? So that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So God wants us to know Him. He wants us to know what He has in store for us. And one of the greatest gifts that God gives us is His Word, revealed by the the Spirit, all the promises, all the plans of God laid out here, how God Himself, how He operates. And so the Spirit of God still works in the lives of people to illumine them, but especially from His Word. But also just sometime through impulses, leading. I better, I better go check on somebody. I better um, pray for somebody. So, God doesn't give a Spirit to everybody. And uh, that's verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 2. Uh, the things of God are spiritually discerned. And if without that Spirit... Uh, we can't, we don't, can't know God. Uh, we just know the spirit of the world. But the spirit of God is totally distinct from the spirit of the world. So John the Baptist said, this is the one, the son of God, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. But we know this is not the end of John's relation to Jesus. Jesus um, actually inherits uh, one or two disciples from John the Baptist and John carries on, but John's going to begin to diminish and Jesus begins to advance in his public preaching and ministry as he should. And then the end for John the Baptist comes. And the end for John comes in a jail down by the, by the uh, Dead Sea and uh, Herod the Great had built a big fortress there on the east side of the Jordan. And that's where John will die. Before he dies, he's in jail and he sends some disciples to Jesus. He says, Matthew chapter eleven, two and three are you the one and I don't think John is so much doubting Jesus as the one because of this great profession in, in John chapter one that he's the Son of God uh, he's the Lamb of God. I think John is doubting himself he's, uh, uh, I expected greater things i i thought I thought uh, he might set up his throne or I, I thought uh, if he ha- has uh, Healed other people, and if he's delivered them from demonic oppression, he could deliver me from Herod Antipas. Herod's got me locked up here. And so he might have been uh, doubting himself or been confused about what to look for. And Jesus does not upbraid John when he sends a message back. And he says, You don't have to tell him if I'm the one, but you tell him what my ministry has been. That the lame are walking. The deaf are hearing, and that the poor are having the gospel preached unto them. Tell him that. And that's all it would take. And then John John the Baptist could die in peace. And so, for us, Jesus gives us assurances also. And we see it uh, through the promises. You see, but the promises have to be mine before I, I draw any benefit from biblical promises. <laughs> But then um, we see other things around us, other things that the Spirit of God is doing. We keep praying, praying, and then a prayer is answered. I didn't expect God to answer that prayer. and God answers a prayer and says, I haven't left you. Um, We have an unexpected friendship in the time of need. Just, Just when I need a friend, somebody calls or somebody stops by. Surprising conversions. Um... I never expected that person to, you know, but who are we to sell God short? With God nothing is impossible. God can work in any any life he wants to. And so, those are assurance that God assurance says that God gives us that he's still keeping his word, keeping his promises and keeping close to us and that he's going uh, giving us life. Well, we thank God for God's grace to prepare and call a person like John the Baptist. It was a divine mercy to that generation to, to have a herald to go out and sound the trumpet and say, it's time, get ready to meet your, your king. He is the eternal son of God. He's going to give you life. But first, before he gives you life, he's going to take away the sin of the world. And so, and that broadens out beyond Israel. It's not just our sin but it's a sin of the world to include people like us beyond beyond the originally chosen nation. You know, the Apostle John has more to say about the Lamb, and we read that from Revelation chapter 5. So I'm just going to turn there to focus for a few minutes on what the book of Revelation says about the Lamb of God. We'll start in in chapter 5 there. The book of Revelation uh, focuses quite a bit on the end of the world. And the message of Revelation about the end of the world is that uh, the, the world's in trouble. It's a lot of judgments, and the judgments begin to come and they begin to unfold and they get uh, more intense and they begin to, uh, one rolls right from one into the next. Judgment, judgment, and more judgments. But this is, uh, the ancient title of the book of Revelation is the Revelation of Jesus Christ. And we look in the first chapter of Revelation and here is the exalted, glorified Christ portrayed in chapter 1 of Revelation as uh, anything but, but the Lamb. Um, anything, you know, it's not the humble Jesus, but it's the glorified Uh, God who's been sitting at the right hand of the Father after his ascension to heaven. But now, Jesus has his day. It is the revelation of Christ, and it is the end of history. Christ is coming back in power. And right now, we're waiting, we're waiting for the end of history. It seems like sinners have their day sinners have had their day all through history since Jesus came the first time but the Bible talks about especially in the Old Testament prophets the day of the Lord and that's the book of Revelation and God who appears to be silent sometimes and so that seems like sinners are having their day God says when I reap the harvest and bring souls and gather the elect uh, then ultimately I will have my day. And that day is called the day of the Lord. And so it begins in chapter 5. Uh, J- John's been caught up to heaven. And uh, it's, 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 some things are beyond words for John, what um, things he's seeing, but he hears things and he hears intelligible voices. And he says... Um, I saw verse chapter 5, verse 2. I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And so it's a big scroll, and it's got seven seals on it. And when you have to have the proper authority to crack those seals because those seals are put there for a reason. It's just not for any recipient. And this is a scroll of six to seven judgments. that are going to be opened up. And as the scroll is open, there's a judgment roll it further as another judgment, and those, as the, Christ will open the scroll, the judgments begin to take place in the next chapter, chapter 6. And so, uh, John's observing all this, and he gets um, engaged in it, and he gets uh, even somewhat uh, passionate, where he starts crying in verse 4. And so, one of the elders said, in verse 5 of chapter 5, Do not weep. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And so, bring in the Lion. Call in the Lion, because it's the day of the Lord. And now, judgments will begin to fall upon everyone who's been fighting against God for all these years. This is the beginning of the end when this scroll is opened so where is the lion and so the next verse 8 says when he had taken the scroll the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down and um, they say in verse 9 you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation And you have made us, these people in heaven, you made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign upon the earth. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And that's in verse 9. But you find that same uh, repeated in verse 12. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And so we had been looking for a lion, but it's the Lamb who is next to the throne, who stands out, comes forth, stands and takes it, says it's time this is the beginning of the end the end of history as God has his day to um, uh, bring justice upon those everyone who's fought against him but uh, people are rejoicing at that day I think we can rejoice today knowing that God's sovereign God's going to even the scales of justice whereas man's had his day uh, God's going to make everything right at the end of the age. And the wonderful thing is that God is ransoming a people out of every uh, tribe and tongue and nation. That's that's verse 9. Um, they're redeemed. And the redemption is through the blood of the Lamb who was slain. Uh, God is satisfied in His justice that this Lamb represented sinners like you and me say, uh, I will save them from the final judgments. I will bring them into my uh, kingdom, and not only to redeem them, but verse 10 is the positive verse. They'll have a role of priests, kings, and they're going to reign upon the earth. A beautiful picture of what what our salvation means. And so the day of the Lord begins. Let's just flipping over to chapter 16. Look at verse 15. Uh, This is the sixth Judgment, as they got that far in opening the scroll Verse 15 uh, There are earthquakes and troubles in the earth And with these earthquakes, the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men And the little people Hide themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains And they said to the mountains and the rocks um, Just bury us we're ready to, ready to die. We can't take much more of these judgments that have been coming from heaven. Just they tell the mountains, fall upon us. And why do they want to, the mountains to fall upon us and be buried deep in the earth? Verse 16, to hide us from the face of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. We have, none of us, ever seen an angry lamb. We might have might have seen an angry ram, or an angry ewe, but never have we seen an angry lamb. But here's the identity that John the Baptist introduces, and Jesus willingly, lovingly gives himself as the sacrifice. But it's it's not to be that sacrifice is not to be spurned or despised. And those that despise the sacrifice of Christ for a, a sinful people will uh, suffer the consequences of turning their back upon uh, God's Son. The wrath of the Lamb. lamb. And He alone, Jesus is the one who has the authority to judge uh, sinners, those made in, in the image of God, but fallen and corrupted, and He'll stand in judgment. And then finally we turn to Revelation 19. This talks about the Lamb at the end Revelation 19 is Armageddon it's the final battle of um, the rebellion against God in history and are you aware that there are two suppers in this chapter 19 there's the supper of the lamb it's a bridal supper but then there's also another one it's in verses 7 chapter 19 verse 17 and I'm just looking toward the end of verse 17. There's been a, a great warfare, and it appears to be, uh, in, in Palestine, um, according to other parallel passages in the Old Testament. And it's right at the end of verse, it's, did I say 19? Uh, let's see, 17, at the end. So God calls the birds, Come and gather together. For the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and captains and mighty men and horses and the flesh of people, free and slaves, small and great. Sounds a little bit like chapter 6. You know, the the big people and the the little people. But anybody fighting against God will have to deal with the wrath of the Lamb. And... uh, there's, there's the supper, but there's another supper, and that's in verse 7, and also verse 9 of chapter 19. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory, because the end is here now. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His wife has made herself ready. Verse 9, then He said to me, "Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And He said, These are the true sayings of God. You know, if you had a choice, I think we'd all want to go to that that uh, bridal supper of the Lamb at the end of time, and um, actually a blessing is pronounced upon we who who are invited. So if we're invited there, it's uh, it's going to be a day of rejoicing. You know, yes, it's a day of reckoning, but it's a day of rejoicing, and it means we're protected. God is. Caught us up. He's called us up out of this world, and it seems like this is going to be. Um, it could well be in in heaven, in the presence of, presence of God, to have that wedding feast of the Lamb, and the bride is, is there, and you and I are the bride, and we're given uh, white clothing, uh, linen to say we're acceptable in God's presence. But uh, the only one, uh, the only ones who are invited to the the last supper on the battlefield. Are the birds And that's one we want to avoid Blessed are those who are invited To the marriage feast in heaven But Cursed are those Who are not found at the marriage feast Of the lamb And those will be the ones That type will be found At the, uh, the Feast for the, uh, for the Birds I draw to a conclusion here. We've been talking about God's Lamb. He takes away the sin of the world. He brings life by taking away that sin. And yet, for those that don't want life, and we're talking life eternal, and we're talking about a, a resurrection life um, in God's time, uh, they will um, you know, share, share in the curse at the end of the age. God gave his beloved son as the sacrificial lamb to take away your sin. God can overcome our worst enemy when Jesus, uh, Jesus over... Forgive my bifocals here. God overcame our worst enemy when Jesus took up his life from the dead. We're talking about the resurrection of Jesus. And in defeating death, he broke the greatest tool that Satan had over us. Hebrews 2.14 talks about people who all their lives lived in fear of dying, fear of death. And the fact that Jesus rose from the dead um, after the crucifixion says uh, we we have a part in that because he's, he's our lamb, he's our Lord, and our Savior. And he promises to raise us up also. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But then in Revelation 19, Behold the risen, exalted Lamb of God, who one day will take away sinners out of the world. And then it'll be a better world. It'll be a renewed place. It'll be a new heaven and a new earth when God brings judgment upon uh, those that have been fighting against Him all their lives. And so there are these weddings, and we want to be at the wedding feast of the Lamb. Without the Lamb who was slain, we are no better than John the Baptist, wasting in prison. John's there saying, never thought I would die like this. Uh, Might be the axemen coming, but uh, we're all going to die. Whether we die in our beds or we die in a prison, uh, we're going to uh, face death. But with the risen Christ, with this risen lamb who was slain now saying "Uh, I'm still in control and I'm taking charge of the affairs of the end of the world we have hope in this life Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father and um, that knowledge gives us assurance that he ever lives to make intercession for us so we have hope now but more than that we have an eternal life right now that gives us a future and uh, it's a future, not just a strumming a harp, but like Revelation chapter 5 said, we're going to reign with Him. And it's going to be an, an active, interesting uh, life, but it'll be a holy life in the presence of God. And so we add our voices to the angels of heaven. And when we consider the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world, we say, worthy is the Lamb. Thank you, Lord, for revealing yourself as our sacrifice that pleases the justice of the Father. And we pray that um, you'll help us to look upon not, not our sins and focus on that, but to focus upon the one who takes away our sins. And we pray um, for a right spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.